Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 220 of The Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Kate Kilberg and Kimberly Prey about their law firm, which is also a B Corp, about whether you might want to start a B Corp law firm too. Today's podcast is brought to you by Text Expander, Arog, Ruby Receptionists, and Search Bloom. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. Last week, we mentioned that we're in the process of rolling out some major new improvements to our Lawyerist Lab program in celebration of its one-year anniversary. Woo. Today, I wanted to highlight one of the new features of that improved offering, which is that beginning in May, lab members will get to meet one-on-one -on -one with a strategy coach at least every 90 days to help them create and implement quarterly strategic plans designed specifically for your law firm. And if you get stuck, our team will be there to kind of help you unlock the growth you're looking for. So here's the deal. Starting May 1st, Lab will be costing $799 a month, which is a great deal for everything that we're throwing into it. But if you get signed up by the end of April, we will lock you in at the early bird pricing, which is just $416 a month as an insane good value. If you think working with a strategy coach, a supportive peer group, and the lawyer's team could possibly benefit your firm, you have to take 15 minutes this month to talk with Stephanie and see if it's a good fit. Go to lawyerist.com slash lab to fill out the application and connect with Stephanie. And seriously, don't wait. You've only got two weeks to make that decision. Now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Cody Jensen from Searchbloom, and then my conversation with Kate and Kim. My name's Cody Jensen. I'm the founder of Searchbloom, and Searchbloom is a specialized search engine optimization company that was founded with a very simple concept, results. Searchbloom was created with the idea that there could be a better SEO experience, one that focused on client partnerships and getting a return on investment for our partners at a higher rate. And that's when kind of the Searchbloom promise was born, which is we'll never bring on a new partner client unless we know that we can generate a return on investment. Gotcha. Thanks, Cody, for being on the show. You had talked about search engine optimization as low-hanging fruit when it comes to lawyers' ability to bring in clients. I want you to say more about that. Why is it low-hanging fruit and what are some of the things that lawyers could be doing? Yeah. So the, the first thing when it to search engine optimization is developing a strategy. A strategy can be geographic, potentially. So for example, all lawyers are likely licensed in a particular location to serve. And what we would do is hone in on that location, and that would be a part of the strategy. So if I'm a attorney in Manhattan, New York, yeah, it's going to be competitive, but I could niche down into different boroughs inside of the New York, New York area mm -hmm. uh, and get very specific with my strategy there. Additionally, you know, your niche, your, your specialty. So, for example, if I'm an immigration attorney or a personal entry lawyer, well, then I can, again, hone down my strategy a bit more with my niche or my focus. Yeah, you were saying that Google has learned how to understand what kind of an expert people are and then assign them more authority and their pages that they write more authority based on that. Yeah, so Google recently, actually within the last year, has published its best practices and they put an acronym around it called EAT. Uh, EAT stands, it's very simple, it stands for expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. So for example, me being a marketing person, if I wrote about law, Google kind of discounts that because I'm not a specialist. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not 
worthy to write about that. Whereas, for example, if I had a ghostwriter publish an article about this very informational piece, but it was checked off and then the bio credit was an actual attorney, it's given a lot more authoritativeness and trustworthiness when it comes to Google's new standards. So what does it take for a lawyer to do well at EAT? Good question. So the first thing is, you know, being in constant communication and working very closely with your writers, your marketing team, uh, because at the end of the day, you have to sign off on it because that's your your bio is going to be going on the end of that blog post, that bio credit. And that's what we're wanting to show to Google is that you're signing off on it. It's your expertise. It's your authority and, and trustworthiness here. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you know, you'd have to be able to read through a probably a long form blog post written by someone that is not an expert, if you will. They don't have a degree uh, or, or are licensed, but they have done a lot of research on a particular subject matter and would need to have some feedback there. Uh, so that would be that'd be a long form type of approach. Hmm. A quicker win would be on the local level, though. You said that website technology is more low-hanging fruit for lawyers. What do you mean by that? Well, in today's uh, world and ranking in the search engines, there are only a certain number of spots, and Google wants to serve the most relevant result in the quickest manner. With regards to technology itself, you have to have a web page or a website that's loading very quickly. Therefore, you know, if you have a lot of iframes or have a lot of external scripts or you don't have any caching or CDNs in place, these can be things that you know, we as SEOs can implement very quickly on a website that drastically increases the speed of your particular page that you're trying to rank. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other things that we can add on to. Very cool. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about search engine optimization and specifically SearchBloom's approach, you can visit searchbloom.com law. That's search and then bloom as in a flower dot com slash law. And there you'll find a white paper called Five Pillars of SEO for Attorneys, where you can learn more about what we've discussed and some other things as well. And if you want, you can schedule a 30 minute strategy call with Search Bloom to learn more about how their SEO strategy could work for you. Cody, thanks so much for being with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Sam. Hi, I'm Kate Kilberg. I'm one of the founders of Catalyst Law, where we use legal and business tools to help people care for themselves, their families, their communities, and the world. I'm Kimberly Prey. I'm the other founder of Catalyst Law. And Kate and I wanted to create a law firm that's good both for our clients as well as the lawyers and team members who work with us in the firm. Hey, Kate and Kim. Thanks for being on the podcast. How big is the firm today? We are a team of 10. Wow. Very cool. And I think you mentioned you just moved. Is that right? We That's right. Move. You're in new digs as well. Very cool. And one of the, I mean, what's different about your practice? You, you talk about wanting to make it a good place to work for your clients and for your employees as well. How does that play out? What does the actual firm look like itself? I would say on the law practice side, we're not that different. So in terms of what we do for clients, It's not terribly different from what you would find at any other law firm. I would say what's different about us is more of our business model, and that manifests itself in a number of ways. So we tend to want to be more team-based, more collaborative. We're pretty entrepreneurial. We tend to try to adopt technology solutions whenever we can. And we've gone to using fixed fees as much as we can because we found that clients like that better. And honestly, we like it better. Mm -hmm. I like the way you differentiate between the services that you provide are the same. Often when, in my experience, a lawyer will say, well, I do everything different because I bill flat fees. 
But I think you're right. The reality is the day-to-day work you do doesn't really change. That's a business side decision. What about this B Corp business? Your law firm is a B Corp. What does that even mean? So a B Corp is a benefit company that has an expanded legal purpose beyond owner or shareholder return. So typically they have to also provide a general public benefit. And so, you know, it's required us to consider the impact of our business, not only on, you know, how much money we're making, but also uh, the interest of stakeholders. So that includes our clients, our team members, our community. And so we've really taken a hard look at at really our triple bottom line rather than the mm-hmm. single bottom line of profit. And so when you say that, you said your clients, your community, and your people at your firm, did I get that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. When you say that it has to serve a public benefit, not just profit, like is part of that like the requirement to say the community piece of requirement or is that what you decided on? Which is the part that you decided and which is the part that you have to do and which is the part that's just part of being a business? Well, every B corporation is unique. And so uh, a B corporation is a certification through a third-party certifier called B-Lab. And that organization has developed a quantitative method to certify B corporations under this, this framework. And so every company, any law firm that goes through that assessment is trying to check a bunch of boxes to get to a minimum number of points that is then, you know, needed to get that certification. So, well, one organization, you know, might have a lot of, let's say, sustainability features such as the building that they're located in, which has water efficient fixtures and uses a lot of paper or, you know, 100% recycled paper. Another organization might get their certification based on maybe they provided a lot of benefits to their employees, but maybe they're not so intense on the sustainability measures that they've implemented. So like being environmentally friendly is something that's that B-Labs require. Requires, or is that something that you've elected into? Well, it's a part of the assessment. So the assessment does look at various different practices. So, for example, governance. You know, our firm is women-owned, and we're also mission-locked, which means that we have the benefit company statute, statutory requirement written into our articles of organization. It looks at workers. So at Catalyst, we compensate all team members at or above family wage. So we also have, you know, company 401k. We have a company-sponsored health plan. So those are some of the types of measures that an employer can take uh, in order to gain points um, for the workers category. Then there's community. So commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion would be a measure there. Environment is another. So looking at, you know, where is your office located? Is it close to public transportation? Is it lead gold certified? Is it, you know, lead silver? Does it have other efficiency measures um, as part of that built environment? And then finally, who are your customers and clients? So they look to who you serve. I had thought that part of being a B Corp was sort of picking a public benefit. Like maybe you want to benefit, you know, local beer or you want to benefit uh, local immigrant communities or you want to benefit, you know, uh, soil and water conservation Mm -hmm. in the outstate counties or something like that. Is that not a piece of it or is that somewhere in there? Not necessarily. So Hmm. you can choose to use your business to support a particular cause or nonprofit if you want to, but the assessment is really more about how you're running your business. So are you providing living wages for all of your employees? Are you providing benefits? Are you in a lead gold business? Are you minimizing your environmental footprint? 
in the daily operations of your business. So you can add the piece of like, in addition to those things, I also want to benefit affordable housing in my community or something like that. Correct. So really what our firm chose for, you know, our charitable and pro bono contributions is our nonprofit affiliate called the Commons Law Center. Mm. And so Kate and I started a nonprofit legal services for two years ago that serves low to moderate income individuals in Oregon. And so our firm has supported that organization financially during the startup phase. Uh, we provide the organization with uh, office space, uh, with office supplies, with pro bono legal services as mentors for the new lawyers who work there. Uh, and so really we've committed kind of a lot of the majority of our giving both time and money to this one entity. Um, mm. And then through that entity, we are able to serve and to impact a lot more clients and a greater diversity of clients than we would be able to had we just had this private law firm. And so it's it's really allowed us to reach that additional clientele who the organization last year served 67 individuals with legal problems, You know, over 2,500 hours of reduced legal help, and, you know, we were able to leverage our pro bono work with additional 335 hours of work donated by other pro bono partners in the community. Uh, and then also, you know, there was some outreach that reached an additional, you know, several hundred people with information about legal services, referrals to other uh, legal aid or nonprofit providers. And so, so that is what we've chosen as what is important to us. Uh, and every law firm is going to have something you know, very different. But and I just want to get the nuts and bolts of this right. Like you don't have to choose any charitable thing, do you? No, you don't. Okay. If you don't give to charity at all, you will not get any points in that kind of community uh, and kind of customers and clients side. So you would, you would have to kind of get all your points in the different areas that the assessment covers. Gotcha. Now that we understand B corporations a little bit better, let's come back to Catalyst. And so at, at what point did you know that you wanted to start your law firm as a B corporation? And what was it about being a plain old C corporation or an LLC that didn't work for you? I think that it was sort of in our DNA. I mean, I don't know that we necessarily knew we were out to become a B Corp. I think we knew we wanted to do something different from a traditional law firm. And I think we probably each have different answers to what that different thing was. And then we both knew about B Corps. And as we kind of were building our firm and, and coming up with the place where we wanted to work, we realized that we were very much aligned with the B Corp movement. And here was an opportunity to join a community of other business owners who were trying to do the same things we were doing. And so for me, I, you know, I spent 16 years working in traditional law firms before we started Catalyst. And, you know, looking back, I, I don't know if I could have said at the time what it was that was missing for me, because most people in most law firms are nice people and nice people to be around. And at the same time, I personally was just not happy. I just was miserable. And so, you know, looking back now and with some of the things we've experimented with at Catalyst is, you know, I really wanted more collaboration with my colleagues and my clients. I wanted, you know, deeper interactions with, you know, really understanding who they were and how I could help. And then, you know, I also wanted 
more flexibility to be available to my family. And I wanted my work to really feel meaningful. I mean, I think part of it was really connecting the dots between what the client needed and wanted with how I was helping. And I I just felt I wasn't being able to connect those dots. And so I tend to believe that when you're happy and you feel good, you're you're more productive. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to experiment with a business model that allowed people to come in and you know be human beings and have all the things that all of us deal with on a day-to-day basis and also do good legal work and provide value for clients. I, I feel like you've just sort of quoted at me the idea of work-life harmony, which I think is a little bit in tension with work-life balance, which people often don't know what to do with that. But you've essentially said the exact same thing that I like to say about it, which is like, yeah, feeling like your work has meaning in your life is a different thing than feeling like you're keeping the two things separate and isolated from one another. But also it's one of the other questions we ask on the small firm scorecard is around, you know, do you know what kind of an impact you want your work to have in the world? And it sounds like you guys are pretty well sorted on that one. That's really baked into the DNA of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think when we started out, we wanted to create a firm that would work with social entrepreneurs, impact investors, and charitably minded clients uh, to support their efforts to change the world. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I come from a very unique background. I have a degree in environmental science. Uh, I worked for nonprofit organizations for the better part of a decade working in conservation. And the last three years before I went to law school, I landed at EcoTrust, which is here in Portland and uh, has done some very innovative work. And so while I was there, they had just moved into the first LEED Gold certified building that was a renovation. Uh, And then as a development director, I helped raise funds to launch the EcoTrust Forest Management, which is an impact investment fund focused on sustainable forest land management. And through both of those experiences, really looking at how the private sector tools of both real estate development and investment funds, uh, when applied for the benefit of the public, you know, really could scale, that social enterprise could scale and likely be more impactful than, you know, a traditional charitable project. So the traditional uh, outreach and education about how to help the environment or how to recycle. I just felt like you know, this Forest Land Investment Fund, for example, has so far raised $130 million to transition 100,000 acres of forest land to sustainable management practices. And that, to me, is where, you know, we're really going to make an impact in addressing climate change. And you get to look at that and you say, we're helping. You yeah. know, and so working with those clients is something that I wanted to do from the get-go. Um, that's what inspired me to go into the private sector and go to law school. And so it it was always in the back of my mind, you know, that those were the types of clients that I wanted to work with. And I think Kate and I really share that in that we both wanted to work with the same client base and inherently coming from working with nonprofits. I wanted a more collaborative work environment that allowed for that workplace harmony, as you, you call it, which I think is really nice. So we need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to pick up on something that we set aside a few minutes ago, which is, or maybe just some implications of it, which is the different mindset that you have to adopt if you're going to go into business as a B Corp as opposed to a normal one. So we'll be right back. With Text Expander, you can use gathered snippets of information as you type using a keyboard shortcut or custom abbreviations. Don't waste time typing out things you've already worded perfectly. Capture the important pieces of your emails, directions, messages, and data so you never have to retype them again. From correcting your personal typos and defining industry terms to whole email templates, reusing your info has never been faster and it works everywhere you type. Text Expander is available for Mac, Windows, iPhone, and iPad, and Lawyerist Podcast listeners can get 20% off their first year by visiting visiting textexpander.com slash podcast. So visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander and claim your discount. 
How cool would it be to grow your practice in your chosen area of law without spending time or money on business development? Now you can with ARAG. ARAG is a leader in legal insurance, and it works a lot like medical insurance. When you become a provider on the ARAG network, you consult with and represent clients for various legal issues, from writing a will to dealing with bankruptcy or divorce. ARAG does the rest, seriously. They'll connect you with new clients, they'll pay you directly, they'll even collect client feedback and share it with you so you can keep growing your business. Visit araglegal.com slash lawyerist, that's A-R-A-G legal.com slash lawyerist, to join the network for no fee and start growing your practice. And it is all about the growth. In fact, more than 90% of ARAG members say they are more likely to consult with an attorney when something goes up than if they didn't have legal insurance. Check it out at araglegal.com slash lawyerist. That's A-R-A-G legal.com slash lawyerist. Support for today's episode comes from Ruby Receptionists, helping legal professionals like you deliver legendary service and grow your practice with live receptionist and chat services. At a fraction of the cost of a full-time hire, Ruby's live U.S.-based team greets your clients personally when they call or visit your website. Ruby can route calls to you or connect chats to call based on your customized directions. Your live receptionist can collect new client intake, answer frequently asked questions, and make follow-up calls. Ruby streamlines billing with call tracking and Clio Rocket Matter and Clio Grow integrations. Ruby can send messages to you via the mobile app, email, or text, and much more, helping you grow your firm. Thousands of solo and small firm attorneys across the country rely on Ruby to turn callers and website visitors into clients. And now you can try Ruby for free. Call 844-715-7829 today or visit callruby.com slash lawyeristpodcast to get started with your 14-day free trial. That's 844-715-7829 or callruby.com slash lawyeristpodcast. Okay, we're back. So Kate and Kim, when we were talking about B Corps, first of all, I think you've said to me at least that there aren't that many other B Corp law firms out there. That's correct. So there's less than 50 worldwide and there are approximately 20 in the United States. And we are one of two who are certified in Portland. Gotcha. So if, if somebody's listening to this podcast or another lawyer is thinking about it and they come to you and they're like, look, I like what you're saying. I want more meaning out of my firm. I think I want to be a B Corp. How do you move that conversation along from there? Do you encourage them? Do you discourage them? Are there questions you ask them about how they're thinking about this or corrections that you might give them to how they might be thinking about this? How do you have that conversation? Well, I'd say the first step is to take a look at the assessment tool, which is on the B-Lab website. And the B-Lab website has a wealth of information about B Corps and what it means. And you can, you can take the assessment just to see where you are uh, right now. And so that's really the first thing that we did is just took a, you know, benchmarked with all of those factors that they look into where we were and where we needed to go if we were to get certified. And I suppose, yeah, how do you feel about all of those requirements <laughs> as you go through it? Well, it is it is a lot of work. So and that's probably one of the reasons that it took us, you know, a few years to, to gain the certification um, is that when you're working in a startup law firm, you know, you're doing you're wearing all the hats mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, going through a rigorous certification program. Um, while we wanted to, to do that, just never floated to the top of our priority list because, you know, getting paid, you know, being able to put food on the <laughs> table really rises to the top um, right. for quite some time. And so, uh, you know, we we kind of jumped into the assessment tool in year three uh, and prioritized it because, you know, it was something we'd, we'd finally gotten, you know, a couple years of financials under our belts we were starting to kind of come into our own in terms of our financial management and understanding who our ideal 
clients were and, you know, really coalescing around what we wanted. And so that was just the right time for us to complete the assessment. Wait, so you can be a B Corp that hasn't been certified under the assessment? That's correct. So in approximately 35 states, maybe a few more at this point since I've looked at it, and that includes Oregon, you know, a company has the option to incorporate, you know, and put into its legal documents the triple bottom line goals of positively impacting, you know, other things besides owner uh, and shareholder return. So various states have done this differently in their statutes. But in in Oregon, we are required to include a statement that says the LLC is a benefit company subject to Oregon Revised Statutes 60.750 through 60.770. And that's that's it. So we did that when we organized in 2014. Hmm, Gotcha. And then, you know, you adopt a third party standard. So you can either elect B-Lab or you can elect, you know, any other. There's numerous standards to select. So B-Lab and B-Corporation certification is not required, but you do have to have some kind of third-party standard, and some of them are a fairly low bar. And then we also have to prepare an annual benefit report. So if we do have an assessment done through B-Lab, then that actually serves as our annual benefit report. So after somebody has taken a look at the B-Lab's evaluation or assessment tool, what else should somebody be thinking about or how should they be changing their mindset to think about, do I really want to do a B Corp or not? Well, I think that the change in mindset is really around thinking not only of your own profit as the owner, but thinking about that triple bottom line. So in my mind, and you know, numerous studies back this up, but if I pay my team members family wage or higher, if I pay them above market rate compensation, you know, I provide all the benefits and, you know, try and take care of them with a flexible, you know, we have an employee handbook that's really dissimilar to any other employee handbook I've seen um, to try and allow for a flexible workplace, for example, then that to me means that I have a higher likelihood of attracting and retaining talent and team members. And so because of that, I'm actually going to both meet that social impact, you know, the bottom line of paying everyone fairly, but also then hopefully increase revenue and profit for the firm itself over the long term. Now that you've been doing it for four years, though, did that, you know, triple bottom line approach make it slower to start? It feels like one of the, you know, if you're committing to pay higher wages, that makes it harder to hire in some ways. Maybe it should be harder to hire, but it but it makes it harder to hire. So do you feel like you maybe took longer to get to where you wanted to be than, than you would have if you had decided to be a regular corporation? I generally think that no. I mean, one of the management mistakes that we made early on was trying to cut corners on employees. And, you know, what we found is that the superstar rock star employees who end up being more profitable are the ones who are demanding higher wages, right? right? And so if you want really great lawyers and team members, period, you need to be able to pay them market rates at least, you know, in any event, you know, that's B Corp friendly for sure. But it's also, I think, just smart business. It's sort of forcing you to commit to what are probably just good business practices in many cases. Yeah. And I will say, so we started the certification process, uh, maybe, you know, we were working on it in the last two years and then we were certified a year ago in April. Over those two years were our most profitable years. So we've been growing, almost doubling in revenue every year. Hmm. So I, 
I mean, I don't know that I can tell you for sure that the B Corp is the reason why. I think it's one of a number of things. But, you know, certainly paying people well has not been a hindrance to growth. Do you think that being a B Corp, I mean, I realize that a fair amount of your clients are doing things that seem very well aligned with the way you're doing things, but do you think it has value as a marketing tool just in general? Or or is it less of a marketing tool and more of a, no, 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 here's who we are, and it's going to be easy for people to recognize what you're doing and what you stand for? Well, I, I think it's both. And so I generally, when we were talking about whether we wanted to do the certification or not, thought of it as a marketing tool. I mean, it's a way to, you know, sort of plant your flag in the ground and say, this is who we are and what we believe in. And so in that sense, it is kind of a marketing tool, both in the market for clients, but also in the market for talent, for people who want to come and work with us. And, but it also, I would say another benefit that I really didn't expect is in Portland in particular, there's a pretty large community of B Corp owners and they, you know, they, they do monthly and more frequent events. And it's just nice to know other people who may not be in the legal industry to look at how they're running their business and getting tips from them and knowing that they also are, you know, like-minded with you. They value more than just the bottom line financially that they're, you know, they're trying to use their businesses for profit and for purpose. What feels... um and maybe maybe you've just explained it in because of the value of going through certification and really really putting your firm through its paces through the assessment but i'm wondering is there any reason why a regular old llc couldn't essentially take maybe maybe they could even get certified through the assessment process i don't know but um is there any reason you couldn't just do this as a regular business or is there some something different about actually being a b corp in order to you know to be a benefit company for example under the statutes you really don't have, there's nothing that is part of that process that you couldn't do with an LLC. I mean, LLCs are inherently flexible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I think a lot of lawyers look at this benefit company status, you know, as, you know, number one, an unknown for, at least when you're advising clients, it's an unknown, you know, in terms of uh, there's not a lot of court cases that are involved in looking at, at the corporate governance practices. But at the same time, you know, as a lawyer, you're just practical. And, you you know, you say, well, I, you know, my LLC documents don't actually maximize shareholder return. They don't, it's not necessarily applicable. And I can run my company this way if I want to. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's fine, but it is a way of sending a signal out to say that I value, you know, these are my values and that I'm going to plant the flag in the ground and say, this is, this is who I am. These are my values. And that then attracts other people to your business because it's a way to say, you know, this is the, you know, this is my authenticity and it's based on my personal values and it builds credibility. It establishes trust and it communicates that value to the clients I want to work with. So that's how I think about it. But I do think that particularly in the legal community, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get certified. And that might not necessarily be, um, a priority. Well, and I think one of you may have said when we were speaking on the phone uh, about prepping for this podcast, I think one of you may have said that it's sort of a way of holding yourself accountable too, publicly accountable. If you're an LLC and you want to set up your mission, you know, to get certified and to go through the assessment to benefit the community and the environment, you can do that. And then next week you can stop doing that. As a public, as a B Corp, there's 
you're kind of committed to it. And so it's a way of saying, it's like getting a tattoo. You're going to live with it for the rest of the life of your company. That's right. And, you know, it really helps us make decisions around, you know, certain things. So when we were looking for a new office space, for example, we had the choice between, you know, the office space with the lead gold certification and the office space without. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rent was a, a, a probably about the same. And we decided on the lead gold certified because uh, it had a lot more natural light. It had um, materials that, were, you know, are uh, low VOC that were already installed. The designers had already put that effort to, you know, install the low flow water fixtures that could serve water. And so for us, that was part of how we made that decision. And I think that as we grow, that's part of, you know, every decision we make. So, you know, we would like to offer additional benefits to employees and be more flexible in our workplace and adopt tools to allow people to work from home, for example. Um, and so those are just some of the part of it is like that's that serves as the benchmark from which we can then get better at what we're doing in terms of supporting that triple bottom line. So let's close by I'd like to know from each of you, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> Stunning silence. So many things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many things. I mean, I think if you could, if you could walk into the room with your yourself four years ago, what's what is the one or two pieces of advice that you'd give yourself? Uh, get a good business coach. Oh, yeah. And I would say that you know, I guess on top of that is you know we've really had you know part of our success has also been because we adopted the profit first cash flow management. Yep. process and system. So that has really been instrumental in helping us achieve the financial goals that we want, which then enable us to, you know, achieve the other triple bottom line goals that we have for ourselves. The title of the book I realize is a little bit misleading, but mm -hmm. it is, it is funny, right? That you've gone beyond profit, but you're basing your finances on a book called profit first. <laughs> it is funny. So we like to, we like to refer to it as purpose first, not there you profit go. first. I think that, I think that is consistent. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We'll include a link to B labs and to catalyst in our show notes in case people are curious. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks Sam. Thanks so much. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced with help from Lindsay Calhoun and edited by Paul Fisher. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Mm -hmm.